and the doors opened. He was wearing a purple t-shirt. Although my anger was not directed towards him, he did not appear to discern this subtlety. He pushed his hand against my chest, probably in an attempt to preemptive self-defense. I reacted automatically, grabbing his arm and spinning him around. He crashed against the elevator wall, then came at me again, this time throwing a punch. I was now responding according to my martial arts training rather than my emotions. I avoided his punch and opened him up so he was undefended. It was obvious he understood his situation and was expecting me to strike him. There was no reason to do so, and I released him. He ran up the stairs, leaving his washing basket behind. I needed to escape the confined space and followed him. We both ran out onto the street. I initially had no direction in mind and locked into following Jerome, who kept looking back. Eventually he ducked down a side street and my thoughts began to clear. I turned north towards Queen's. I had not travelled to Dave and Sonia's apartment on foot before. Fortunately, navigation was straightforward as a result of the logical street numbering system, which should be mandatory in all cities. I ran hard for approximately 25 minutes, and by the time I arrived at the building and pushed the buzzer, I was hot and panting. My anger had evaporated during the altercation with Jerome. I was relieved that it had not driven me to punch him. My emotions had felt out of control, but my martial arts discipline had trumped them. This was reassuring, but now I was filled with a general feeling of hopelessness. How would I explain my behaviour to Rosie? I had never mentioned the meltdown problem for two reasons. One, after such a long time and with my increased base level of happiness, I believed that it might not recur. Two, Rosie might have rejected me. Rejection was now a rational choice for Rosie. She had reason to consider me violent and dangerous, and she was pregnant to a violent and dangerous man. This would be terrible for her. Hello? It was Sonia on the intercom. It's Don. Don, are you okay? Sonia was apparently able to detect from my voice and possibly the emission of my customary greetings salutation that there was a problem. No, there's been a disaster, multiple disasters. Sonia buzzed me up. Dave and Sonia's apartment was larger than ours, but already cluttered with baby paraphernalia. It struck me that the term ours might no longer be applicable. I was conscious of extreme agitation. Dave went to fetch beer and Sonia insisted that I sit down, even though I was more comfortable walking around. What happened? said Sonia. It was an obvious thing to ask, but I was unable to formulate an answer. Is Rosie all right? Afterwards, I reflected on the brilliance of the question. It was not only the most logical place to begin, but it helped me gain some perspective. Rosie was all right, physically at least. I was feeling calmer. Rationality was returning to deal with the mess that emotions had created. There is no problem with Rosie. The problem is with me. What happened? Sonia asked again. I had a meltdown. I failed to control my emotions. You lost it? Lost what? You don't say that in Australia? Did you lose your temper? Correct. I have some sort of psychiatric problem. I've never told Rosie. I'd never told anyone. I'd never conceded that I suffered from a mental illness, other than depression in my early 20s, which was a straightforward consequence of social isolation. I accepted that I was wired differently from most people, or, more precisely, that my wiring was towards one end of a spectrum of different human configurations.